Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but we have fan favorite. Did you know that you were a fan favorite? Claire Brown of The Bittersweet Life. People who listen to this show uh, loved hearing from you in episode 112, which we called Explore. And we were just calculating before we started recording, estimating that probably the last time we talked was about 10 months ago. And at that point, you had moved from London, England to split Croatia. And I think you had you were only there for like a month or two when we started talking. I don't know. I just thought we should check in and find out where the heck you are about a year later. So thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Uh, so where are you right now? Why don't you tell everybody that? Um, I'm back in Split. I was on the island of um, Shipan, which is just off Dubrovnik, or for uh, nine months or so. And then I went traveling around in December, January, February. And then I got back um, to Split a few few weeks ago. Right. So I was looking back through some of our emails that we've had over the last few months. And in one of them, one that you sent to me in January, You say that your plans are to uh, do three more weeks in split during the month of February, and then you had no idea what you were going to be doing from there. (laughs) So obviously, I don't know that that happened. And if you're still in split, obviously, you're making plans somehow. My plans seem to be illuminated by candlelight. So I sort of seem to take one or two steps in the dark and then see what happens. And what happened was I spoke to my ex-landlady when at the the place that I stayed um, in split last year. And she has a tiny little apartment downstairs. And I thought, oh no, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's book another six months here. So I've decided it's gonna be another six months in split. I'm just going one six months at a time. And um, it just, it, it gives me a sense of security now that I'll have somewhere to stay throughout the summer because split in the summer is crazy, apparently. <laughs> but I've, I'm gonna be doing it. So it'll be an experience, it'll be an experience. Very cool. So I know that when we when you first moved there, you were just sort of going to try to write more to do some exploration. And I can't remember how long you were planning on staying, but not more than six months, right? Um, It it was always going to be a year, but I was sort of hoping to, again, sort of playing it by ear that I had this year planned. And then I was going home after a year. I was so going home after a year. I was going to do exactly what you did. Anyway, so I've been here over a year now. <laughs> so you've succeeded where I failed. <laughs> um, well, I was very much constrained by money. So mine was very much limited by how many, how much I had in the savings. And so it's Croatia has been cheaper than I expected. And the, the rent here is cheaper than I expected now. So so it's given me this option on another six months. So in answer to your question, <laughs> because I'm so bad at answering questions, I did write more. However, I have enjoyed having the leisure to do, when I say nothing, that sounds really bad, but I think just to take time out and stop. After, you know, my intention always was just to see if I could stop. And it turns out I can stop thoroughly and very well. <laughs> I, can do, I can do nothing beautifully. <laughs> I love that. That's something we've talked about a little bit on the show, too, because that was the number one question I got asked when I was moving to Rome or coming back was, what are you going to do there? Yeah. And I had 
no plan of anything I was going to do there, except for maybe write more or sit around more, <laughs> explore the city, you know? Yeah. Why do you think, at least in your culture, coming from London, our culture, me coming from Seattle, it wasn't okay to just stop? There is this thing in London or perception in London that if you do nothing, then clearly you're a boring person or you're a lazy person. And there's maybe this, I don't know, is it a stigma attached to just doing nothing? And I would have always thought, my God, that sounds so boring to do nothing. But there's one thing that I can say, I have not been bored here. You can still say you're doing nothing in inverted commas, but then, you know, I spent weeks olive picking. I've spent time working in the garden. I was helping with the apartment. I was cleaning. And then I was selling olive oil in the in the city, in the in the little village square. So when I say I've been doing nothing, I think I've sort of been doing the Croatian nothing, which is actually working really hard <laughs> in a completely different way, in a completely different way. Perhaps there are degrees of nothing. Right. Because the truth <laughs> is you're never not doing it nothing even if you were just laying around the apartment reading all day long you're still doing something exactly. but you're just exactly. not you're just not what building a career or like the, that sort of I'm thing not, that people exactly. think is doing I'm something not, i'm not sitting on a tube going to work i'm not then sitting at work working and then going home and then i'm not doing lectures to do a degree i'm not um studying i'm not that it's that it's a different it's a different um, type of employment of leisure time. <laughs> yes, but you know, I, I you are trying to start a business too, right? That's right. So in December, I decided, okay, let's see if I can actually start doing some freelance writing and start seeing if I can make this happen because my best friend has been encouraging me to stay. I'm not sure whether this is what a best friend should be doing to encourage you to stay away from her. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe I have to reassess this friendship, Vicky. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she sees she sees how much I'm enjoying my life here. So she obviously is really anxious that I stay and be happy. And so we were talking about this, and it's something that I have been talking about. And that's actually seeing if I can earn a living by writing here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much you want me to talk about that because I have got some really exciting things in the pipeline. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear. Tell me. Tell me. Okay, so I did some work, I've uh, web content writing, and that went really well. Then I've also done some proofreading, and it was all going really well. And then I spent time in Sarajevo in Bosnia, and everything went wrong. <laughs> Absolutely everything went wrong. My computer broke. My glasses broke. Uh, what else went wrong? Oh, I fell over. I had a really bad fall which really shook my confidence uh, somewhat. And so basically um, in Bosnia, I spent so much money, it was just horrific. So all the savings and all the pluses and all the money I'd earned just went. And so that really set me back quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do now have a reliable computer, which actually has amazing speakers and sound, believe it or not. Yes. So, so <laughs> every cloud. I know, I've been thinking that same thing just recently, because it seems like, when stuff like that happens, it always happens in a clump. My computer's on its way out too. And, and I've just been like calculating how long can I delay all of these things that I need to one day buy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to space it out enough so it doesn't ruin me financially. Don't go into a foreign country with a dicky computer because I had the most wonderful experience in a computer <laughs> shop in Bosnia. And they were like, why the hell are you buying a computer here in Bosnia? Because I'm desperate was the answer. You know, I actually wrote about this. Sometimes 
when everything is going swimmingly, when everything is going perfectly, you're thinking, oh, isn't this great? And you're writing about how, in fact, you're not as inspired to write. But when you have something bad happen to you and you have to interact with people and you have to go out and communicate and, and make yourself a pain in the ass, you it, it does actually give you a challenge and it does make you think about stuff a bit more. It's not always sunshine and roses when you're traveling, is it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you wrote about that experience to me about the challenge of buying that computer so beautifully. Do you want to tell everybody what, what you went through that day? Well, it was raining so hard. And I was almost, you know, you're just in tears because the, the computer that you've had for five or so years, you know, it becomes a friend. I don't know. It, perhaps it's a female thing, but you come attached to the computer. So, you know, so there I was walking into this very scary part of the city. You know, you're in a part of the city you don't know, in a city that you just don't know anyone. And it got poorer and poorer and poorer as I was walking into the new part of town. And... There are more and more beggars, which was I find truly upsetting anyway. And then I arrived at this building, which had definitely seen better days, and it still had obviously bullet holes and everything in it. And I was thinking, oh my God, where am I going? Where is this place? And I walked in to see if I could see a computer shop, because I hate computer shops anyway. I really hate computer shops. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to speak with a guy who's going to think I'm some sort of female idiot anyway, which you always have to deal with. And so I looked at the shop and there was one laptop <laughs> and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> so there was absolutely no choice. Anyway, this lady, the shop assistant was having a huge row. It was a lady shop assistant. She was having this huge row with the woman. And I was thinking, oh, no, because <laughs> I'm quite shy in shops, believe it or not. And so I sat down and she said, OK, what can I do to help you? I said, my laptop's broken. I spent nearly two hours with this woman choosing the most perfect computer after she told me that the row she was having with the woman was because the woman was really angry with her husband and she basically wanted to shout at somebody. And this poor shop assistant had obviously been that person. But it was, and in the end, I had like three or four people helping me. And the next day I went back picked up my computer and they had mended my old one as well so I now had then two computers oh, wow. <laughs> so I've then now given my old computer to my friend here who's really appreciative of it so it was an exciting experience yeah that's really <laughs> great so tell me some of the other exciting things what's happening right now professionally oh professionally okay so as I say my friend is obviously encouraging me to stay here and I I set up with the help of um, a good friend a website I was trying to, my, I have such a problem at the moment with people being ignorant because there are so many interesting things happening in the world, you know, in politics and, you know, there are some pretty horrific things happening and people seem to be either unwilling to look at what's happening around them or just so wrapped up in their own little family units that they don't want to be interrupted by nasty things going on and it's driving me crazy. So. I really, really want to push an interesting way of getting an overview of the world on a daily basis. So I sit and read the papers every morning and put together a digest of what's going on in the world. And it's just making me more cross, to be honest, because the more I read and see what's going on in comparison, then the less other people seem to know what's going on. Doing this job is actually making me more and more angry, which is probably not, <laughs> not a thing. But 
So that's part of what I'm doing is doing this bulletin service. And the second sort of way into this is um, providing web content. So when I read the newspapers, it's feeding into, oh, you know, if somebody wants me to write something about what's happening here or what's happening there, I've automatically got all the information at my fingertips. So I'm basically, I will write anything that people want me to write as long as it's got this wonderful current awareness slant to it. Hmm. So that's what I'm doing professionally and hoping to build on that. So it's an interesting contrast, though, because here you are living this more relaxed lifestyle where you can do anything that you want. <laughs> and then at the same point, you're almost more enraged and more engaged with what's going on in the world. It's a balance, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, how does it, how does it fit together for you, though? Currently, it's giving me a structure because when you don't have regular hours for, you know, like a regular job, you can find your day becoming either stretched in the morning or stretched in the evening and, and you sort of start to lose control of your days. So now that I'm actually having to get up every morning and my bulletin has to be out or my, my information has to be on my website by eight o'clock English time, which is obviously nine o'clock here, which is perfect. Um, so I, my bulletin goes onto my website and then it gets published into all the various places. Now it's having to go out even earlier because I start university. I'm now back at university learning the language again. So I have to be sat at my desk at eight o'clock in the morning. So which means I'm now getting up at six, wow. which has been, this is explains why I've been so tired this week because I've been getting up at six o'clock every morning and going to bed at midnight one. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. <laughs> so something's going to have to go. The enjoyment or the work. I'm. It's going to be difficult. Or they both have to be scaled back slightly or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You see, I'm. I'm just one of these all or nothing people. You jump in with both feet, and um, and I'm very enthusiastic about both work and enjoying myself. So hence today, I have had a very relaxing day today. <laughs> That's good. So it's irisbriefing.co.uk is the website it is yes. i'll put a link on yes. our website thebittersweetlife.net okay but before we end too i have to and i don't know why this fascinates me so much and i keep telling you in emails but i have to ask you about dating on tinder in foreign countries i just <laughs> i just i just <laughs> i think it, it must tap into something in me where i feel like i don't know that i could ever do that and i don't know why i could never do that so please tell me please illuminate okay what it's like to date online in foreign countries. Okay, dating online in a foreign country. Okay, so the first thing is, is that sometimes you have a language barrier. Right. And although my language, I think it's now progressed to slightly more than pleasantries or unpleasantries. Um, it's definitely progressed to something more than just basic, hi, how are you? You know, I'm fine. So I can now actually hold a slight conversation in a foreign which is brilliant. I recently abandoned Tinder because Tinder in the winter here is just rubbish because very few people are around. So I've actually gone to the local one or the one that is more popular locally, which is Badoo. And I went back on there um, yesterday. This is giving so much away. How much can I talk about this? Tell everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So strangely, I've actually... It's okay. Let's go back to Serbia. So when I was in Serbia, I really did hit Tinder quite well there because it's a bigger city and it's yeah. So and, and I was really bored, really bored in Belgrade. And I had four or five dates in two weeks. 
and I had coffee dates and I had dinner dates. Okay, dinner date was a Chivapti Chiv- Chiv- restaurant, but that counts as dinner. And you just, I just met people. They would come to my, outside my building and I'd go, hey, hi, I'm Claire. And they'd go, hi, I'm whoever. And then we'd just go off and start chatting. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs> so I don't know. I just seem to be, I mean, Vicky, my friend, always says that I'm so lucky that I always ever meet really nice people. And she says, maybe you just attract really nice people because I've never had a problem. You just reactivated what, or started your local account again as of yesterday? Yeah, I started it yesterday and it was immediately... Actually, do you know what? The thing that makes me most anxious is not actually the meeting people. It's actually the number of messages that I'm bombarded with. And I find it... If there's like eight or nine messages flashing away, I just get really anxious. That's my problem on social media dating or dating sites, is that the number of people who are trying to catch your attention not the actual saying, hey, shall we go out for coffee or something like this, which is what I did today. I went and had a coffee with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And how was it? It was really nice. (laughs) And actually, I haven't told any of my best friends about this yet. So you're the first person that I've come back. I've come back in from this date. And you're the first person that I've told about. (laughs) I know. So how would you review the date? Would you go out with this person again? I'm having a coffee tomorrow afternoon with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, wow, you're a surprise. He was, I wasn't expecting somebody like you. God, they all say that. I don't know who these people date because I'm fairly normal, right? <laughs> and <laughs> so we had um, coffee in our, my favorite restaurant or my favorite, one of my favorite bars. And I got a hug from a couple of the waiters there, which surprised the guy. <laughs> and... Um, and a chat and we sat there and chatted and everything and it was really nice and then I was hungry because I hadn't eaten and um and so he took me out for lasagna which is obviously very Croatian and um (laughs) so then we arranged to see each other tomorrow you see (laughs) this is this is the this is the problem the other thing that people don't know is that you had to cut your date off to talk to me how depressing is that really in some ways I don't know. He was quite impressed when I said, oh, yeah, I'm having an interview with this wonderful lady in Seattle. He was quite impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I hope so. So it gave me a certain mystery because he's now thinking, wow, is she some kind of celebrity? (laughs) (laughs) See, we originally arranged this. we're, We're recording this on a Sunday and we originally arranged it for Sunday thinking that Saturday night you'd have to be out and about doing stuff and Sunday obviously would be more mellow guess what my plans right never ever go to plan (laughs) well um before I let you go I I just one of the things that you you did in the intervening time over the last year was after moving away was you did go back to London around what December well it was really sweet I was initially going to be um, spending the whole time here in Split with my very good friend here. She was going to be on her own. She didn't have children. So she was like, oh, please come. I'll cook. We sort of cook Christmas dinner and everything. Yeah, it's not turkey. Can you believe it here? It's not turkeys. Um, I had beef. Um, but um, so then my friend in London, um, she's been having a really hard time. And I said, OK, I'm going to come back to London. I don't care if you want me there or not. So we're going to go out New Year and we're going to welcome the New Year. And on the 28th of December... It's a real stress getting back from Split to London. I'd never done a non-direct flight before. So that was a really good, that was an interesting experience. So I had to go back via Zagreb 
and yeah so arriving back in London in that really strange time between Christmas and New Year just made me realize how alien London is and how Heathrow back back into the center of the city it was quite a strange um, tube ride anyway because people were talking and it just felt strange to be back and then doing that commute and that walk and the rain and the wet and the dark you know it just didn't it just doesn't feel like at home anymore and I think well I don't really know where my home is it's quite unsettling now to in foreign countries that it does give you the strange disconnect from you know your roots or your your previous life the longer you're away from it yeah boy our connection is rough sorry everybody um Skype is not liking us right now so we may have to end a little sooner than we want to, Claire. That's the sad thing. But I totally understand. If London is no longer home, then what? I mean, you must be asking those questions, right? I'm sleeping really well. But if I am actually more in the morning, and it's that sort of the anxiety, you know, I mean, I'm sort of quite anxious about earning a living as well, keeping the money coming in. But it is one of those questions. It's like, well, you know, if I have to leave the country... I am going to have to go back to London initially, but what then? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I just can't answer this question right now. It's just not possible to answer. It is giving me anxiety or moments of anxiety, this where am I now? Where am I from? And I have been thinking about that question quite a lot, yeah. (laughs) When you left London, did you expect to feel ready to go home after a year, ready to go back to London? was hoping for such a positive experience here that I didn't want to go back and although I must say it's not all been positive it really hasn't been all positive there have been some quite interesting emotional moments and I love English understatement um yeah Yeah, I was gonna say um can you please tell us a little more how about an example of one of those okay so I really fell for somebody here I really really did fall madly and crazily in love with and yet it wasn't to be. So for last year was really difficult emotionally because I was having to say, yeah, okay, I do really like this person, but it's nothing's ever going to happen. Therefore, deal with it, get over it, just move on. Because seriously, you don't want to ruin the time here. And this time is a privileged time that I can do this and be here. So don't spoil it by mooning over some idiot. You know, what are you doing? Get a grip, enjoy it. That was really hard and I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't really want that to happen. But these things do happen, don't they? (laughs) Right, yeah. So it's not all been great. There has, as I say, there has been sort of emotional ups and downs. But it's actually quite interesting to reflect. The most meaningful relationships I've had here have actually been with women. I have made friends and bonded with so many incredible women here. Well, and I'm really grateful for, for that experience. And that was an unexpected experience as well. Would you say there's any way that given, what, the almost 12 months, that was the gap between when we talked the first time and when we talk today, can you point to anything where you would say that you are a remarkably different person in this particular way from one year ago? Yeah, I think I, it's made me a lot more accepting. It's made me a lot more patient and it's certainly giving giving me more of an insight into the hardship of so when people say 
in the UK, oh, I have no money, I'm really poor or I'm really struggling. And when somebody says that here, that they are really struggling, this is the choice of somebody eating and somebody not eating. That has been a real shock. The levels of hardship that some people experience here, it's eye-opening and it makes you a lot more... You're, people are so sharing here. People will share what they have here. And I think that is something that... I mean, I was always quite generous, so we would never want to see anyone of my friends go without. But we share, me and my friend here, we share food, we share wine. You know, if, if you have something, you share it and you bring it to the party so everybody can have a taste or have a drink or something like this. So it's made me a lot more compassionate and understanding as to, you know, real difficulty. I mean, I've been considering these changes after, you know, experiencing my year's anniversary here and saying, what has it done to me as a person? I wouldn't say I'm a different person. That's rubbish. I'm still the same person. But <laughs> but it does give, in, give you a more a depth of understanding. Yeah, yeah. And you've done so much travel, too, within that year. It wasn't like you just were in Split and that became your home. But does it feel like your home? Have you spent enough time anywhere to feel like you actually are rooted somewhere at all? Well, I I've, I've actually um, discovered that I can be absolutely, I can have a night somewhere. And as long as I've got a few bits and bobs, you know, whatever, shower gel, toothbrush, I can actually make anywhere home. And this has actually been a real discovery of myself. But it's not necessarily a positive discovery because I think... Although, I, you know, you can feel at home somewhere after, I don't know, whatever, three or four days or a week. But I just know that I can be happy here. I can be happy on the island. I could be happy in Sarajevo. I could be happy wherever. And then that makes me think, oh, does that mean I can no longer settle in one place? Mm. I, I, I'm happy wherever I am. And whether that's a good discovery, I think that might be a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yes, although we do now know that you're not happy in London. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, though, I, there are things in London that would make me happy. Like, for instance, I would be around, you know, my best friend, although I'm trying to drag her to Croatia. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I'm trying to drag her here. I still think, OK, fine, if I have to go back to London, I'm going to make the best of it. You know, I'm going to go and apply for jobs again and do librarianing again great you know, I love that work <laughs> I really miss that work sometimes mm -hmm. so I just know that it would have compensations oh I'm glad hey glass half full right <laughs> right right I've been told I'm a glass half empty kind of person which I'm trying to change oh really no you've just got to look at even when some horrible things happen you've just got to say well if I hadn't have had this experience, I wouldn't have felt like that. And yeah, it was a crappy experience. But hey, at least, you know, I can still do this. You just got to, I'll just see the positive, I think. Right, yeah. <laughs> For most people, I feel like it would sound great to say, oh, wherever I am, I'm happy there. That's That would be remarkable for most people because it would seem like in some ways it's letting go of the anxiety that, that people carry around about house or job or all these other things. But for you, there's a real worry that you'll be one of those endless adventure seekers that we sometimes talk about on this show. Is that a worry for you? It is a worry because you tend to lose. I think I may have lost sight of 
what is loosely termed normal to actually <laughs> want to sort of have your own home or settle down and have you know whenever I meet somebody like say meeting this really quite nice guy today you don't have a date and then immediately think of long-term relationship but realistically you're thinking okay you know say this person is a good person and is the one or whatever how would you then translate that into actually something long term so my fear is by living so much in the short term have I actually lost <laughs> an inability now to actually do something long term is that a good thing or is that a bad thing is that what happens when you're 43 I don't know I mean <laughs> yeah yeah it does make me quite nervous I mean, I just try not to think about it. But again, you're just like, that's a really bad thing as well, right? Maybe I think I'm perhaps, I don't know, overthinking. I mean, who, who knew? I'm <laughs> yeah. overthinking. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and you and you may be like, I mean, another danger I can see in it, I suppose, is if you really start to feel, because I think about this too, if you really start to feel like you're happy on the move, you're happy like going into all these different cultures, and that's when you feel your best. That's when you're learning new things, meeting new people then the money worry becomes a little bit more real because you have to be able to afford to keep on the road. Yeah. So how do you make that happen? Oh, when you find the answer, let me know. Okay, I, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I've been really lucky here. In the, in the past couple of weeks, I have been introduced to some really interesting people and they're now saying to me, wow, you know, you've actually got a really good opportunity here to do this freelance writing. People here do need help with website content. People do need to be advertising their businesses, you know, online. And, you know, you've actually got something quite exciting here. I mean, I've actually got a meeting this week with, um, with somebody about their website. They want me to basically turn it into better English so that they can then look more professional to the outside English speaking world that would be great to do I mean I would love the businesses here to have these websites and uh, promotional material in absolutely perfect English so that you know so they can sell themselves in the best way possible because all right fine you know you don't mind your notice from a restaurant or a menu that is badly written in English but I think it would be nice to actually say look we have a beautiful product here, we have a beautiful country, a beautiful restaurant, blah, or whatever, and then actually be able to sell it to the English-speaking world in a way that's going to make that tourist or whatever think, wow, you know, they've just added that extra something extra special. So, and I would like to put something back and I would like to help the local businesses here and I would like to sort of, you know, offer English-speaking services to them and, and perfect it, perfect their material. You know, so I am meeting some really interesting people and con contributing creatively to some sort of quite uh, good ideas. I've actually been asked on the 1st of June, I start working um, a co-working office space, uh, which is really exciting. So an Australian lady here is opening an office space. And knowing that I work first thing in the morning, she says, well, why don't you come and open the office first thing in the morning and get the office open, get the coffee pot on and, you know, <laughs> you know that sort of thing. So that'll be nice because then I'll meet people who are coming in to work. Oh, I was talking about this the other day. Digital nomads, you know, that come in and need a hot desk, good Wi-Fi, good coffee, etc., etc., and work and um, come in and do some work. 
so I'm really looking forward to that on the 1st of June. So that's a really exciting sort of development. Okay, I have one last question for you, and then we'll have to just set up another time to check in down the road. Or maybe I'll have to fly there. I don't know. Oh, you will. Visit me. Come and visit. <laughs> I know. That would be fun. But anyway, I was wondering, do people... How do I phrase it? Let's see. Do people regularly tell you that you are an inspiring person? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that too complimentary a question? Because I, I feel like... You know, when I talk to you or I get emails from you and I and I may be having my own worries about should I keep this job? Should I leave a job? You know, all these things. And then I talk to you and it feels like things are possible. Don't worry about it so much, I guess, is what I'm saying. That's a tangent me going off on. I'll go back to my original question. Do people say that you're an inspiring person? Um, whilst I've been here, I, uh, am I blushing? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not good at taking compliments, really, I'm not taking, um, yes, okay, I'm going to be honest, um, my friend here says I'm an inspiration to her, but then again, I see her in a difficult situation, and she's working and setting up her business, she's got two children, she's got a house to run, you know, she's got a dog, she's got cats that have just had litters in her basement you know I find her an inspiration because she keeps all of this as a single parent up in the air I've only got myself to worry about if I don't make the money it's only me that starves if she doesn't make the money it's her children that can't have the school books so I actually find her an inspiration and if she finds me an inspiration then I am extremely honored (laughs) and um, and then my friend at home who thinks I'm an inspiration by being here, and she's also sort of stuck, not stuck in London, but she's held in London because she has family commitments and a job and she has to support children and things like this. So it's very easy to be an inspiration when you have only yourself to look after. You can be slightly more, you can run more risks when you're by yourself. And as you get older, maybe I'm thinking, crikey, maybe I should take fewer risks because I'm just really my I mean, my mum, my mum doesn't think I'm an inspiration. She just worries about my lack of pension. And maybe she that's slightly more honest way of looking at it, that you can be more irresponsible when you have fewer risks or fewer calls on your resources. True. That's a good point. But what what are they what are they re- <laughs> but what are they reacting to when your new friend in Croatia says that you're inspiring. What is? What do you think she's reacting to or being inspired to do by you? I think positivity is like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. Because sometimes, you know, she's sort of, oh, God, is this really possible? Then I come in in the morning and go, hello, sunshine, what are we doing today? And I think she feeds, I mean, you know, <laughs> she feeds off that. And I it's it's reciprocal isn't it I mean if you're gonna come in oh god what a crappy day it just brings everyone down and as I say that's not that's not who I am I would rather say to people wow you know actually yeah this is a bit rubbish but how can we make this better how can we make this more positive and it's much easier to do it when you're in the sunshine sat with a cup of coffee and the sea is twinkling in front of you it's really hard to be depressed here that's true meanwhile uh here in Seattle Since Donald Trump became the president, there was an article in the newspaper this morning that said, since Donald Trump became the president of the United States, Seattle has had one day of sun. It's been about the longest, coldest, wettest, most dark, depressing winter I think we've had in 
years. So yeah, there might be something to that. You sitting in a sunny place too. I mean, I'm always really worried about everybody. I always worry about everybody. Um, I hope you take your vitamin D tablets because, <laughs> you know, I started taking vitamin D um, tablets, must have been about a year and a half ago. And you know what? I started taking them in September and I was still smiling by November, which is some kind of miracle. So I'm actually convinced that everybody in our sort of very rainy world in the north should take vitamin D. You're right, I don't. <laughs> I should. <laughs> but I was actually fascinated. I, I actually did a, I caught up with all the podcasts um, this week. And the coffee one, yeah. I loved that coffee one. Because, do you know, in Croatia or in Split, the culture here is all about the coffee. Absolutely. You know, you know, you were saying in Italy that people have their coffee and run. Here, if you make a coffee last three hours, you know, you're just an amateur. So you can sit in, you can sit in a cafe for a couple of hours just with a glass of water and your coffee, watching and chatting and, you know, working and writing and anything, and nobody bothers you. Hmm. <laughs> so these are small independent coffee shops. There are no chains here. Apparently somebody tried to open a chain of coffee shops here. They were shut down by the local traders hmm. before... They even unlocked the door. That is how much they hate the chain coffee shops wow. here. I know. So come here. It's good coffee. You will not <laughs> be seeing a Starbucks in Split anytime soon, is what you're saying. I can safely <laughs> say no. There is talk that we've now got a KFC somewhere on the outskirts of town. Mm. But the chances of us getting Starbucks or Costa or whoever here is extremely slim. And you know what? That's the one thing I did miss in London. I missed going into a coffee shop and ordering a large white coffee and getting this tiny thimbleful of perfect coffee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really missed the coffee here when I was at home. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason to stay. All right. Another reason. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, we should probably leave it there, but I do hope you'll keep checking in with me and keep in touch. And uh, remember, I'll put a link to her briefings website on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. And thanks, Claire. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. And I'm Claire Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best. <laughs>